Hello, and welcome to the It's Not Personal podcast, a podcast about making work more engaging, more fulfilling, and ultimately more human by taking the ego out of leadership. I am here with Ken Grady, a Fortune 500 CIO and business leader, as well as gentleman farmer and snappy dresser. And I'm here with Seth Rigoletti, my always friend and often collaborator and co-conspirator. Seth is an executive and communications coach who's worked with a number of different organizations and whose superpower is helping people understand the difference between what's being said and what's being heard. Hi there, and welcome to the It's Not Personal podcast. I'm Seth Rigoletti, leadership coach, and I'm here with Ken Grady, a CIO a technology leader, and a gentleman farmer. We're going to get to that one day. We're going to talk about the pigs and the chickens. Pigs and the chickens. Yeah, I'm here with Seth Rigoletti, my friend and co-conspirator, collaborator, oftentimes consultant and uh, good friend who uh, specializes in helping people understand the difference between what's being said and what's being heard. And I was really excited to jump into this topic today, Seth, because I feel like this is this is work that you often do with teams and rising leaders it's about respect. Yeah. Expressing, yeah. showing, you know, understanding respect. Let's actually start off with well, in preparation for this, I looked up the definition of respect because I realized that it's a term that we use so frequently. Mm. You know, I don't feel respected, you don't respect me, I want your respect, you know, whatever. But when you really get right down to it, you know, defining what is it yeah. is important. And the first definition I looked up said a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, their qualities or achievements. And I like that, but I, I looked up, there was a second definition that I thought was even better. Mm. And that was a due regard for the feelings, wishes, rights, or traditions of others. And I, for me, that really was a better definition than I could have come up with. Yeah. Uh, that due regard. And I think that that goes a lot to what we've been talking about through this series of podcasts. But when you work with people and they're challenged in this, how do, how do you define it for folks? Yeah, you know, a big part of this, and, and, and that's a, I love those two definitions, because one is definitely uh, how we, we think about it a lot of times. It's like admiration, mm-hmm. boy, I really respect this person. But but what does it mean when they say, you know, respect my privacy, right? Right, respect, right. You know, respect <laughs> my position, respect my point of view. Like, there's there's this thing about, you know, am I willing to accept Right. Am I willing to accept that you have a right to being who you are and being how you see the world? And I have a right to being who I am and how I see the world. And that that am I willing to allow that to happen? Yeah, because I think that when you walk into an organization or a team, you know, you join a, a team and you talk about a culture, you know, a dysfunctional culture. Uh, And we know, I mean, there are dysfunctional cultures out there, but I think a lot of times when you get down to it, this is one of the root causes is, you know, is there a culture of respect, a mutual respect, a willingness? We've talked about a willingness to listen, right? And I think people confuse respect with agreement. 
Yeah, and and we we confuse it on both mm-hmm. sides, right? So like when someone says you have to respect me, I think that means I have to agree with you or or that like you know, it's like I have to follow everything you do or mm. I have to bend myself to you. But it also means that like I feel like um to be respected, I need you to do the same for me. I need you to bend for me. I need you to agree with me. And that is a miscommunication. So let me just give you an example of something. And I've, I've used this actually with your team. I've used this with other teams. You know, there's a, um, so there's, this goes back to just communication and communicating what you know. And there's an old quote. It's attributed to Teddy Roosevelt. I don't know. It could be apocryphal, like most things when you look <laughs> at quotes. But Teddy Roosevelt apparently one time said, nobody cares what you know unless they know that you care. And that is actually like uh, a really important thing to recognize that there's this there's this thing about like how why should I listen to you why should I hear what you have to say if I don't know that you actually care about me that you're actually um, tell, talking to me and not just at me and I learned this you know as a teacher and I learned this as a communication coach and I learned this through working with leaders and I broke down care into four elements. Being curious, being aware, being respectful, and being empathic. And I'm just going to, for right now, I'm just going to talk about the respectful piece. The respectful piece is really interesting because I see this as two ways. I need to be respectful of you as a listener. I need to be respectful of where you are. Where what's your background? How have you come to this conversation? What assumptions are you bringing to the table? And what sorts of like barriers do you have built in already based upon your experiences to what I'm going to tell you, right? So I have to be really respectful of that and not try to like shove through those or disregard them. And then I also have to be respectful meaning I have to accept my own assumptions, my own barriers. What do I actually know to be true? And what am I just wish to be true? And I have to be really clear about those things. And if I can be respectful of you and respectful of me, what happens is we have this chance, this chance of bridging the gap and actually being able to have a conversation. Does that make sense? It totally does. Yeah, so it makes a lot of sense. And in fact, it really resonates because I was just reading some things around emotional intelligence or EQ, you know, the scale. And there's, there's likewise, there's four areas that people talk about, four domains. One is, you know, self-awareness, mm-hmm. self-management, number two. Uh, the third being social awareness, awareness of emotions in others, mm-hmm. and then relationship management, or how do you use those emotions? And when you talk about respect as being that cr- space to create a chance to connect, it's that social awareness. And it just struck me as you described how we think about that in relationship management as the parallels to EQ or emotional mm-hmm. intelligence as a leader and really understanding. And we've, we've touched on this before, but that there are other perspectives in the room that only through respect can you create the safety and, and uh, ability for people to express. Right. No, that's right. And and I think again, because we're so uh, we're so dualistic, right? We get we get caught up in this, you know, either or kind of thinking so quickly. Just as you were saying that, I was thinking about how people are going to hear that and think. Oh, so I have to just respect everybody else. I have to respect what they think. And what I'm really trying to get at here is that like there, you have to respect yourself too. 
You have to be clear yeah. about you have a right yeah. to say things and to think things. You have a right. But that doesn't mean, therefore, that they have a right to believe you or trust you, right? You have to earn that trust and that that connection. And just as other people have a right to have their opinion and have their point of view and everything else, they have to earn you, you, that bridge. They have to find a way to bridge it to you. Well, that's that's an interesting statement. I want to back up and, and touch on what you just said there, which they have to earn. Mm-hmm. So do people have to earn respect or do they have your respect by default? So I think I think there's two ways to think about this. One way is what what an amazing world it would be if we respected everybody else in a way of just saying they get to be who they are they get to have their position they get to have their point of view even if it might be different than mine now what that doesn't mean is that and this gets to the second piece the earning piece it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that i just you know you say it's night and i say it's day and i just go well i respect you for your opinion <laughs> right like it it means that like you know we have to find some sort of common ground in that moment we have to find some way of you know dealing with reality and mm-hmm. if you think about a company whenever you're collaborating which basically is everything, right, in an organization. Everything yeah. you're doing. Yeah, every organization is built on community and collaboration. <laughs> Some form of Some project form. management that you've got to work together. And in order to do that, you have to agree on some sort of reality. Yeah. Right? But just like that old story about the elephant, right, and the, and the three blind men, you know, groping the elephant, talking about what it is, right, trying to figure out what it is, you don't actually figure out what it is by simply groping at it and just holding on to no 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 it's this it's mm. a snake no 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 it's this it's you know you have to like talk about it here's what i'm noticing here's what i'm noticing and you have to respect that other people might have a totally different experience of the same thing that you're experiencing i, I think that when i think about that because i can think of so many examples where you arrive in a team at different conclusions, or you begin with different hypotheses about how to solve for a problem. And without a foundation of respect, without a foundation of, okay, this is how we're going to manage through these kind of things, it gets really difficult to wrap your head around the other person's point of view. And suddenly, you know, you're now you're, well, that person's just being stubborn, or that person's being blind to reality, or that person's, and, and it, is going to erode the respect that you have for one another. On the other hand, when you have a fundamental respect, and I see this in high-functioning teams that have worked together for a long time, where, and this is kind of my observed behavior, where they might, you know, even high-functioning teams have disagreements. But the difference is they have, usually through the experience of having worked together on difficult problems before, but they've created this culture of respect where, you know, you and I might have a difference of opinion about how to solve a problem, but I'm going to be curious Oh, yeah. as to why you think you sh- it would be better this way versus that way. In order to do that, and this, this, so this is actually the fundamental piece about earning and, and, and respect and everything. Like, I have to trust. I have to believe. I have to have respect for you and your intentions. Mm. You know, I have to some level believe that you're trying to solve the same problem I am. Right. And this this gets down to this concept of conflict. There's task conflict, which mm-hmm. is how are we going to solve this problem? Mm-hmm. And then there's this relationship conflict, which is like I actually 
I am, I am in conflict with you. Hmm. And in this, and what happens in teams and in organizations is task conflict very quickly switches to relationship conflict if there isn't that respect. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, I think that, um, and I've seen this where people say, well, I want to respect the position. I mean, you know, somebody's title. When you have a title, great. Right. right. I'll respect you because of your title, but, you know, still fundamentally don't respect the person. And that quickly becomes toxic. Well, it's funny. You you were in the military. I was right? many, like, many moons ago. The, so it's, it's a it's a totally hierarchical system. And yet, and yet, people I talk to who have been in the military, people I've talked to who have had I, one good friend who was a commander in the Navy, he says, people think that in the military, that this hierarchical system just automatically gives you the respect, and it doesn't. No. So people will do what you tell them to do if you're standing there. Yeah, I mean, right? if, if, there are, if there are veterans in the, in the audience listening to this, you know that, you know, at least in my experience when I was in the Army, um, and I was enlisted, so, you know, I, when I exited, I was a sergeant, uh, an NCO, and a significant portion of the training, almost, you know, really all the training for command experience is about teams and caring for and setting people up for success. And it, it, I think from the outside and when you see movies and you read fiction, you know, you, you get that kind of, well, I say, you know, jump oh, and people, right. how high. And I mean, there is a clear, in, in any organization, there usually is a clear chain of command. Mm -hmm. There's a CEO, there's a C-suite, there's people that make decisions, et cetera. But any high-functioning organization, really, the experts could be anywhere in any seat, you know, for the problem you're trying to solve. And so only if there's a culture of, and I guess this is what I'm getting to a little bit with this this culture of respect, is there a culture of trust? Because this is what I think I've observed is when people know that they're trusted, or excuse me, <clears throat> respected, well, if they're respected, they're probably trusted, and, but it creates this safety, this psychological safety mm. to speak up and say, I have an idea, because you know that you're going to be listened to. And back to that curiosity, right. tell us more. Right. And that, and, and so, okay, this gets to the part about earning it, right? So if you say something stupid, right, and I now don't respect you, mm. that ruins all of the relationship, <clears throat> right? If it ends up being this whole thing of like, you know, oh, you did something wrong, you made a mistake, now I don't respect you, that ruins all of the trust, and the whole point of like paying attention to respect and actually feeding respect as like a value or something that you want to like cultivate in your in your in the culture of your teams is so that we can disagree we can have this you can even make a mistake and i still respect you but i might say you don't know what you're talking about in this particular <laughs> arena right i might have been told that in one or two arenas but <laughs> Um, yeah, and I'm just, I keep coming back to this earning respect because I think what you described, if I heard you correctly, is how somebody can lose respect, mm -hmm. which is definitely a thing. Um, because if, if, you know, if you say something that is completely, you know, ungrounded in fact, 
And, you know, I say, well, actually, I have a different perspective, you know, or I have different data that shows a different reality. Let me show it to you. And you persist in holding on to that opinion. Yeah, I'm probably going to quickly lose respect for, you know, your ability to listen, your ability to, you know, make decisions. But, but I do keep coming back to this. Do you have to earn it, earn respect? Now, in that case, you'd have to earn it back after you've lost it. But for you know, this is how I approach it philosophically. If you're part of the organization, you automatically have my respect because you're here for a reason. Whether I hired you, whether somebody else hired you, somebody made a decision, and I probably trust that somebody. I might not know you, but I trust, you know, my colleagues that they made the decision for the better outcome of the company uh, and the team. And And by the way, that doesn't just go in the company organization. I mean, you know, if I'm passing you in a grocery store, I, I'm going to offer you my respect, right? I mean, you know, I might not say anything to you, but if we have a conversation, I'm going to start from that position because for me, I think if I expect others to gift me their trust and respect, then I've got to start with that too. That's sometimes hard. Right. So that is hard. And then, and then there's a, it crosses over into credibility too, Mm. right? So like respect and credibility, you know, there's this sense of, um, we, so to come back to your point about earning, right? Like, like many times what, the way we talk about it is we want you to have, I want you to have to earn my respect. Yeah. Right. Which creates this power dynamic. Where, exactly. Which, which is, which is a problem. Right. But then there's this other thing about like, are we, so I, I use this example a lot of times when um, people talk about trust and I say, are you being trustworthy? Right. Which is something that crosses between respectfulness and credibility. Right. In other words, are you doing what you say you're going to do? Are you telling people you don't know when you don't know? Are you uh, sharing your own opinion when it's time to share your own opinion? Are you uh, dying on swords that don't need to die on? Like these are things that like will either lose or gain credibility and respect over time. And there are cultures that, so my brother is a professor uh, at a university, uh, teaches American history. And um, we talk a lot about the culture of academia and a lot of the cultures. I'm not saying this is true at every university setting. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be qualified to speak on that. But I do know that at least in some, um, that's a culture where you are, have to earn respect, you have to earn it through publication. You have to earn it through grants. You have to earn it through. And and as he talks about it, it sounds pretty toxic to me. There's a reason why I'm not in that, you know. And I think that that's there's tradition in history and probably some reasons for that because you do have the elder kind of professors that have been there, done that, and you know uh, they teach the the rising PhDs, etc. But when you think about a company culture where you're all coming there for a single purpose, and that's probably the biggest difference. Is in academia, it's 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 very confederated. I guess you know, professors are all working on their different things. But in a company culture where you're all there for a single purpose, in start, theory, in theory, <laughs> at a healthy company, a healthy culture. Um, but that's where I think that culture of respect is so important. Um, you know, but again, I I think that uh, I want to differentiate respect from. And this is why I liked the one the due regard mm. definition better than the admiration definition because respect doesn't always mean you like somebody. No, a matter of fact, it is it, it is something... That, so just let's back up a second. The word respect, respect, is not a thing. 
We invented that thing. Yeah. Right. That's not like no one. If it's, someone, a, so, it's a social construct. It's a social construct, right? Yeah. It's a, it's some kind of contract, and we invented this to deal with what is probably, I imagine, a a like a negative trait that we have mm. as part of our social beings, which is to judge people and to attack weak and to sort of cut people out of groups. Like well, all these things that we do that get us into problems when we try to cooperate and collaborate, right? So being respectful, the concept of respecting people for who they are and what they are and what they stand for is a way of holding a team together. Right? Mm. It is a way of like saying, we're going to behave a certain way even if you don't like this person, yeah. you don't have to like this person in order to respect them for who they are and what they're trying to do. That makes sense? It totally does. So we've been talking about this on an individual level or maybe a small team level, you know, and just like we were talking in our red pill, blue pill moment, and I've had personal moments of perspective shift, but we've also had organizational moments mm. of perspective right. shift. Right. And in the past few years, I've definitely seen this again, at least in healthy cultures, where organizations are tackling social dynamics as a part of the culture to create, again, a sense of respect. And one that I know, you know, created a lot of conversation and controversy and different opinions, but really came into all the way up to the C-suite in the boardroom was Black Lives Matter. Right. So, again, just like the pandemic. Right? Yeah. This was... Um something that happened during the pandemic, but it was George Floyd's murder and the eruption that yeah. that caused. And and the you know the the fact that the nation as a whole, the world as a whole started to be like, oh, what's going on here? Right. And what was remarkable about it was it was such a just like the pandemic uh in a way, it was such a a moment of pain mm. for a portion of the population that you couldn't separate out from the day-to-day. -day. You couldn't just leave that pain at home. Right. Right. And so it really forced organizations, my own organization, others, to have a conversation because suddenly there was this, I mean, if you've got part of your demographic that your neighbor, your colleague that's in pain, they can't just leave that pain at home. Right. And so there's a conversation to be had for understanding. And, that, and this is interesting too, because respect and understanding, right, are are not necessarily together all the time. No, you you don't have to fully understand someone to respect what they're feeling. And this is actually, you know, when you when you look at when I look at the Black Lives Matter um and especially initially when it came up and the anger that was coming up in in the community around in the black community, the black American community in in and then all the other BIPOC organizations, groups that started to speak up at the same time, say like, hey, what about, you know, what about this? What about that? And like, what happened was you saw decades, if not centuries of disregard and disrespect for what they've been saying, what they've been saying for such a long time, right? Yeah. And that, that, that overcoming of a legacy of disrespect, and again, without saying you have to understand or agree you know you have a different perspective you might feel your pain is more if you're in a different uh part of the community that, that, actually that right there what you just said let's just pick, let's just tag that for a second because okay. that's a really that's a really difficult thing to talk about 
If someone says in your company, I feel disregarded because of the color of my skin, or I feel like I'm treated different because of my sexual persuasion or because of my gender identity, I feel different. What is typically, typically the response, not necessarily at your company, but what is typically the response of most people who live in the, in the hegemony, right? Who live in the power structure. What do people say? I have, I have, uh, I also suffer, right? I also struggle. You know, my, my forebears struggled, you know, oh, try being Irish yeah. in the early 20th century. And like, what that is essentially is it's like, a. Um, I think the psychology of it is I want also to be seen and heard as mm. somebody who is, but, but what it does is a tremendous disrespect. It's like, if somebody says I have a headache and someone else says, not like the headache I had back in 2004, right? And it's like, who cares about your headache in 2004? I have a headache now. Yeah, there's this, if you turn it into a competition of sorts, and it, which is an interesting dilemma, because in most professional organizations, it is a competitive organization. You know, you're out there to win. You're out there to win the market. You're out there to win sales. You're out there to win products. You're out there to get that next promotion. But when you're, again, seeing, if you take, treat it like a zero-sum game, like I have to be, you know, my pain has to be better, more, better than yours, which right. is a weird way to approach it, totally. then you are, to your point, not supporting. And not being respectful. And not being respectful. Now, here's the problem of, of the difference in respect and understanding. Mm. I, I don't have to understand in order to respect your position. Right. We get this confused all the time. Yeah. I don't understand. Therefore, I'm not going to respect. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've been touching on some of the, the you know, hopefully uh, less common social aspects that kind of can come into the workplace. But this happens all the time, even in team meetings. Oh, you know, it's okay. like, I don't understand that person's approach to solving that problem or going to win that sale or leading their team. Therefore, I don't respect them. Therefore, I'm not going to give them any time or support. Well, that's, th th yes, that's right. So we, we cast people as villains in our own movies. And then we attribute behaviors to their intentions. And when we oh, do yeah. that, when we do that, we are doing this incredibly disrespectful thing. Yeah, we, we, I think we, you know, write the story of, well, I mean, like you said, we're the protagonist of our own film every day, and we write the story of others' motivations all the time right. about how they approach problems. And often, you know, without seeking to understand, without really seeking to be curious about, well, why did they say that? Why, why'd that come up? Right. So that curious piece, you said that earlier, and we just want to tag that again, because the curious piece is we, we want to be curious about so many things. And to be curious, and I'll explain what I mean by that. To be curious means really non-judgmental. It means not, not starting from a position of trying to prove some sort of outcome. If I'm curious, I'm just like, I wonder what this is. I wonder, like think of like pure scientific method. I wonder what will happen, right, if this happens. And if we do that, if I start there, 
what am I actually judging in this moment? What am I actually reacting to? What assumptions do I have about this person? And are those assumptions helpful? Go ahead. Well, we we talked about respect as foundational to building healthy relationships. You, you touched on that earlier. And when I think about curiosity, approaching a relationship with curiosity as a starting point mm-hmm. is always the way, like if you look at like, you know, the mood ladder or these other kind of charts you see, curiosity is always the first step. Always. It's always the first step. And it's and the it, one that we had the hardest time with. It is because, again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to immediately assume why you're doing a certain thing and I'm gonna assume you're dumb. I'm gonna assume whatever Correct. it is or I'm just in a bad mood, whatever. But if you start, if you can mentally set yourself, set your dial mm. at curiosity, it just think about if I ask you, like, you know, um, hey, Seth, I saw, you know, in that meeting, you you did A, B, and C. You made this decision. You made this comment. I'm curious. Tell me more about that. Now, how does that make you feel when I say, tell me more about why you did that? Mm. Well, initially, right, depending, and this is when I when we get back to the earning, right, like I might feel suspicious, right? You, We are used to feeling like we're going to get trapped. But if you really do ask me that question, tell me more about that, and I start to tell you, and you listen, you yeah. don't you don't pounce on it. Curiosity right? has to be authentic in this case. It has to be. Has to it's be. not coming at you and saying. And I think people can generally tell that if I'm coming at you and it's like I'm a, I'm going to set you up for a trap, it's a different thing. But if I'm authentically curious and I want to learn to under, I listen to understand why you're doing it. You know, when somebody does that to me, it immediately makes me feel like, oh that. They actually really want to understand me to build a relationship, and you feel respected. You in that yes, in that curiosity. In this, I want to be really think thoughtful about how we frame this up. In that curiosity, you create space, right? And in that space, there is the possibility of some sort of understanding and connection. Yeah, and and that is really what we're going for. What I what I want to caution people is that. Being respectful of other people and being curious about what they're saying and what they're doing is not a guarantee that the trolls on the internet are going to all of a sudden start behaving nicely, (laughs) right? It is not a guarantee that somebody with bad intentions is going to start behaving with good intentions, but it gives people an option, Yeah, right? It gives them a chance. Yeah, no, I think I think you're you're absolutely right. This is not a you know if I come and I say, hey, tell me more about why you said that. That doesn't mean you're going to pick that opportunity up. That you're going to use that space to build our working relationship. That I'm that, or even that I'm suddenly going to understand even after you explain. Mm. But it sets a moment. It creates a space to to build that. Uh, that working relationship, that understanding together. Right. And if you didn't do that, if I didn't do that, if I didn't ask you afterwards, well, there's no opportunity for it. There's no opportunity for it. And we just live in our own heads. Yeah. We live in these assumptions. I want want to talk about this one more thing about this reputation, right? So the title of this is, you know, I'll, I'll always respect you question mark, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like, what does that mean? We think respect and reputation should be fixed and forever. Mm. We think that, oh, my reputation should speak for itself. You know, well, you know, I thought you respected me. And and what what that we want to get to is like 
yes, right? That's a thing. And also how you behave and how people are affected by how you behave can impact how they feel about you and how they think about you. That's a whole nother thing to pay attention to. So if you think about like, um, we, we've been talking more about like this sense of something happening and being curious about it and like trying to figure out how to bridge the gap. But we also as leaders have to be aware of how we're impacting others. Yeah. And we talk about in my team, the shadow of the leader. Yeah. You yeah. know, as a leader, you cast a long shadow in ways that you don't often even know or observe. You know, people look at the behavior you model. They look, they listen to the questions you ask. They listen just as closely to the questions you don't ask. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it seems silly. I mean, Daniel Goleman talks about this in his books around emotional intelligent EQ. You know, he talks about how a leader walking through the office space, a leader on camera <laughs> can, can have a profound effect just by his, his or her demeanor on that camera or in that walking through that space. And give you an example. Uh, I, we had a boss once, uh, and I had a friend who used to, he, he would have a great conversation with his boss and the next day he'd walk by him and he'd say hi and the boss would just ignore him. Mm-hmm. And he would come, he would come to me and he'd be like wrapped around an axle about this. Like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what he, I was like, he's probably not thinking about you at all. Right. Which is, I'm sure true. Right. And what a miss. Yeah. What a miss. Yeah. Right. Well, I used to I used to get feedback that I had let's personalize it again. I had uh, that I was very formal. Mm. That my team would tell me, you know, I'd get this in, in the things. Is that because you wore a sports coat? Yeah, it was in part because you know I, I worked in pharmaceuticals for a long time and a large European pharma company, and the the culture was suit and tie. Right. And so I had a large number of, of suits and ties and no place else to wear it. So I just carried on wearing that. Even when I moved into, and this is really important cultural thing, I moved to an organization where that wasn't yeah. the uniform, but I carried on because I was comfortable and I had a lot of them. And people thought, wow, he's really kind of stiff, really kind of formal, right. really. And I'd be walking through the hall and I have my, my nose and my phone reading my email that I was going to the next meeting or whatever, not greeting others as I walked through. And that contributed to it as well. Now, interestingly, through uh, COVID, um, as our whole world shifted to Zoom and WebEx and whatever, and people see me in my house with my cup of coffee and, you know, and they see the painting I'm working on or the banjo hanging on my wall and my reputation completely changed. And that and that comes down to something really interesting about respect. Mm. That how ironic that your team, people in your team, are going to actually respect you more. They're going to actually respect your point of view. They're going to respect how how you, they're going to feel the respect you have for them more when you are more vulnerable. I really think, and this is a great way to kind of pull us back into a full circle. I think this is one of the things, the, the lookouts for leaders, mm. is I think that Leaders can sometimes, rising leaders can sometimes think that I'm going to automatically get respect because of my title, number one. So there's kind of this arrogant assumption of respect and that you have to look, act, dress, 
you know, differently than you used to in a certain authoritative way, which all just is kind of creates this toxicity in a culture and this mistrust. Oh, this is so good, right? Because you you do when you bring the assumption, again, reputation, right? You bring the assumption that I got hired for a reason. I'm good at what I do. I've led teams before. Which, by the way, is probably all true. Probably all true. And that these people should just know that I care about them. And they should just know that I've got their best interests in mind. And therefore, when I've got my, to use your example, when I've got my face in the phone and I'm walking through the hallway and I'm not making eye contact, it doesn't mean I don't think about them. And that's not how it works. It's just not how it works. You have to earn this gets back to the yeah. point. You have to earn that relationship. You have to build that relationship. And part of it is having the time, taking the time to see them, to be present, and to be seen. Right? You know, I guess, and I guess that's my takeaway from this, this discussion is you can't just, even though I say I give my respect, you know, by default for your teammates, but you can't just assume that there's respect. Yeah. And that, and that giveaway by default might be in your own head, right? Yeah. But there's this thing that happens where, you know, for some for some groups, respect looks like showing up on meetings five minutes early, mm. right? For some groups, respect looks like, you know, telling a joke, right? Some groups, like, it's like this weird, yeah. like, what is the group? What is the culture that you're in? You know, and there's and there's a lot of like we we we're we want everyone to bend to us, right? And we don't want to necessarily bend to them. And I think that's true of uh, whether it's you know interpersonal, me and you. You know, do I respect you? Do you respect me? Whether it's the team, the culture, whether it's the societal, these pieces. You know, we talked about some of the challenging conversations to have. If you are arrogantly assuming, well, you know, I respect you. Like without actually uh, demonstrating, totally. creating that those opportunities, as you talked about, without actually following through on it and being conscious of it, just having it in your head, you know, as a leader, I think creates that space that's that shifts the tone. Yeah. And you know what's so funny? You come you comes back to ego again. It does. Right? It just comes back to ego. Like I was thinking Well, we're human, so it probably all does, you know. It's just thinking about that that, like that thing you were just talking about. I was thinking about, I remember again, think going back to teaching. I remember teaching uh I I taught back to back tenth grade English classes. In this one class, I had this really great class. It was like so it was it was just I don't know what happened. We just hit something really like we had a bunch of breakthroughs. The kids were having a great time. I was having a great time. And the next class, I was going to teach the exact same thing. And I went to the next class riding on this high. And I started just thinking about this relationally. I started from where I left off. Mm. And the class was a disaster. Because the kids were like, they were fighting. I was like, why are they fighting with me on this? The last class loved this. You know, (laughs) like, why are they arguing with me about all these points? Why are they all of a sudden questioning my authority? Why is this all of a sudden, why is everyone being a jerk? And what I didn't see was that I didn't meet them where they were. Right, right. That is such an important point. I did, I have one question about this. Was this with or without the goatee? (laughs) 
This was not, I did not have the goatee, but I did, I think I was wearing a tie. Okay. Right. I think at that point I was still thinking like, the tie gives me authority. The tie gives me authority. Well, you were young, so you gotta, I'm yeah. sure you looked younger. But meeting people where they are, we, we didn't talk, I mean, I guess we, we skirted around that, but meeting people where they are, you know, like I gave that example of meeting you after the meet, meeting you after the meeting and asking you a question to help me understand where you are. Mm. I think that really is one of the strongest signals of respect that you can offer. Right. Is let me meet you where you are right now so that we can have this opportunity for connection. And, and this, we'll, we'll keep talking about this throughout because yeah. this idea of like, I can meet you where you are, but if my headspace is in a different place, is in a different place, or, or I think. Yeah. You should be someplace, right? <laughs> I'm going to signal that. I'm going to I'm going to telegraph that in some way that you're going to feel, and then you're not going to tell me where you are. Uh, this has been a great conversation. I think, uh, like you said, we're going to come back to this a number of times because this really is one of the fundamentals of bringing your human to work, mm. right? Understanding that you work with other humans, right, and creating these connections in a culture where there's a, a, an opportunity. And and stop taking it personally. And stop taking it personally. <laughs> Take not, your ego out of it, so you can. Because if if I am taking it personally, so you know the yeah. title of our podcast, I can't possibly meet you where you are. I can't, and I can't respect you because I'm too busy focusing on how I feel disrespected <laughs> by you having a different opinion or a different position or not agreeing with me on how we're going to get this thing done. Uh, Seth, this is a great conversation. I really enjoyed exploring this topic with you. Uh, for all of you out there, I'm sure that you have your own examples of, you know, showing respect, feeling respect, earning respect. Maybe you disagree with some of the things we talked about or have yeah. others. That's great. We want to hear from you in the comments as well. What are we talking about next week, Seth? Next week, we are talking about uh, what is what is what, is, what it mean what does it mean to be thankful, right? To, oh, to be grateful, topic. to be to be uh, sort of thinking of that that this this is enough. Right? I've got I've got so much energy on this. We we talk in my team about a culture of gratitude all the time, which is when people join my team, they coming into a software and technology team and they hear me talking about culture or gratitude. Like I want to talk about like agile and delivery, et cetera. So I look forward to it. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you again, Ken. Thanks so much. Thanks listeners for being here today and uh, tune in next week. 